All right, we're going to start a series today. We wrapped up our series last week. We're starting a brand new series this week for the next couple of weeks on uh, the subject of bold. And uh, man, as I've thought of this and I've worked on, on this series kind of for a long time, even back into the last year, I was kind of looking at this and getting ready for this. And one of the things that bothers me about church, <clears throat> I'm not talking specifically this church, although it includes us, but I mean, one of the things that bothers me about Christians across the board, and myself included, is that we're Christians, we've been born again, we've experienced life-giving power, our spirit, like I talked about last week, has been born again, has been changed, has been transformed, and the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, the same God, nothing has changed. Everything is the same as it was in biblical times. We're humans, we're people, we've been born again, and yet so many of us and so many Christians live a life that is exactly the opposite of bold. And I'm not talking about, when I describe bold, I'm not talking about an over-the-top, an aggressive type thing where we're kind of just freaks and we're in everybody's face and we're always kind of shooting off at the lip and saying things and kind of turning people off. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not even necessarily talking about speaking boldly, although that's a part of it, but I'm talking about a lifestyle or a characteristic of a Christian that just would be described as bold. That we actually live with boldness, that we actually live with courage. I see so many Christians, and I see so many of us that go through the Christian life, and we've experienced Christ over in our spirit, but we've never let it become real in our lives, and we go through life, and we're timid, and we're always kind of wishy-washy, and should I, and shouldn't I, and I'm just not sure what God wants me to do, and nothing is ever really bold in our lives, and we never really step out with faith and with courage. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of being bold. Of being courageous. Of living with courage. Of being sure of who is with us and who we believe in and what we believe. Because as we're going to find out, that's what's really behind being very bold. We're going to look at some different stories from the book of Acts in the New Testament. And the book of Acts is full of all of these stories and these attitudes and these characteristics of the early followers. And the, one of the only ways you could describe what happens in Acts and what they said in Acts and what they did in Acts is with the word bold. They were incredibly bold. In fact, it uses that word. Acts was written, like many of you know, by, by Luke, who was a disciple of Jesus. Luke was a medical doctor. And Luke essentially, in the book of Acts kind of captures and puts on paper uh, the very first New Testament church or the very first church. These people, they had seen Jesus, who believed in Jesus. And again, one of the dominant themes of Acts is they were incredibly bold. And through Acts, all through Acts, there's miracle after miracle after miracle. And all these incredible things are happening. And they lived with this incredible boldness. So we wonder, why is it that we don't see? Why is it that we don't see the same types of things happening in our church and at our neighboring churches and at churches across the country, especially within the United States? 
Why don't we see that kind of bold things happening like we did and like they did in the book of, book, book of Acts and in the early church? Why is it different? Why do sometimes we pray prayers and it seems like God doesn't answer? Or why is it sometimes that we pray things or we ask for things or whatever it is and we just kind of live humdrum, average Christian lives? What is the deal with that? Maybe the deal with that and the reason for that is we don't have the same bold faith that they had in the book of Acts. And because we don't have the same bold faith, we don't have the same bold actions. And because we don't have faith and we don't have actions, there's not the same bold results. And listen, I know that some of you pray and amazing things happen. I understand that this doesn't go across the board, but in large, you would have to agree with me. We don't experience the same types of things that they did in the early church. So today we're going to kind of lay a foundation for this series. And here's the definition of boldness that we're going to build everything on. If you don't hear anything else today, this is the most important part maybe that you'll hear all day. And it is this, is boldness is born out of belief. That is our definition for boldness for this whole series. Boldness is always born... Boldness is always behavior born out of belief. In other words, it depends on what you believe in. It depends on what you believe in. Man, this goes into every area of life. Think about this for a second. If you believe, if you're facing a decision, and you believe that when you make this decision, people are going to criticize, and you believe it, you'll probably act slowly or tentatively or not that aggressively. You'll probably kind of be slow, right? If you're facing a decision and you believe that you're going to fail, how are you going to act? See, your behavior is based always on your beliefs. Let's just say, for instance, this morning that uh, one of the worst fears that we can, any of us can have in life is, is losing a loved one or facing an illness such as cancer or something like that, right? Let's just suppose for a minute this morning that you were sitting here and you had 100% guaranteed the cure for cancer. Any type of cancer. You've experienced it. You've seen it work. You know that if a person is ate up with cancer and they take this pill or they, give, or they get this shot, they are guaranteed to be healed. I want to just ask you a question. How bold would you be with that belief and that information? I would venture to say that even if you're here this morning and you're a shy person by nature or you're a person that doesn't naturally go up and talk to a stranger or you don't really like to talk in front of people, I would have to say that I bet if you had that kind of a belief, if you had that kind of information, that you would be busy changing people's lives. Because you believed in something and you knew it worked and therefore you would have boldness in that area of life. See, boldness is always a behavior that is built on a belief system or on a belief. (laughs) 
Same thing in, in, li- in, in our lives in, in a little bit more untangible areas. If you believe you're going to fail in an area, you're going to behave in a way that probably sets you up for failure. On the other hand, if you believe you've been called by God, if you know in your heart you've been called by the Heavenly Father, by the Creator of the universe, and He has asked you, and He's empowered you, and He is going to resource you, how are you going to act? You're going to act boldly. See, it depends on what you believe. It depends on what's inside of you. Kind of the translation of bold simply means this. It means to be outspoken. And again, I'm not talking about this in-your-face, over-the-top, kind of uh, annoy people. That's not what I'm talking about. But you're outspoken. You're willing to say something. You're willing to stand in the gap. You're willing to let people know what you believe. In outspokenness, it means an assurance. You're just sure. There's some things you know. There's some things that you believe. You're sure of things. It means to have courage. And by the way, I want to tell you something. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the ability to move forward in spite of the fear. It means confidence. And my prayer is this. My prayer is this. Is that God would take this church. God would take you and me and make us people that are known for and are characterized by our boldness by our courage, by our ability to move ahead even when it's scary, by our ability to move move ahead even when things are unclear, by our ability to withstand things that are very, very difficult to be known as a people, as Christians, as individuals, and as a church when bad things happen. When a loved one is lost, or when the economy wreaks havoc, or when we're in a difficult place financially, that we have the courage to act boldly and to not shrivel up and climb into our little caves and disconnect from the world and disconnect from the people that love us or whatever it might be, but to live life boldly. Here's where we're going to go in this series over the next couple of weeks. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about bold prayers. And this one may be so important. I'm, ex- I'm so excited about speaking on this. You know how we pray? And maybe you've heard me say this before. You know how most of us pray? And how I hear people pray so many times? Here's what makes up most of our prayers. God, thank you for today. Be with me today. God, give me traveling mercies today. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. And then we pray prayers and we ask for big things. And then we follow it up and we say, no, God, heal this person and do this. But, oh, God, it's up to you. It's according to your will. Only according to your will. I'm not saying that's a bad prayer. But I wonder sometimes if God in heaven is saying, you know what? I've already promised you if you're a Christian, I'm going to be with you today. I'm already going to be with you. I'm the creator of the universe. Why don't you pray something that stretches me? And I've already promised you that while you're traveling, that I'm going to protect you because you're my child. It'd be like my children coming to me and say, Daddy, would you make sure that the house is safe tonight when I go to bed? And every night they would come and they would ask. And I'd be like, you know what, son? You don't have to ask. I'm your father. I'm already doing that. 
I wonder sometimes if God hears our prayers and say, man, would you pray something bold? Would you pray something that makes me stretch a little bit? Would you pray something that when it's answered, everybody knows that I'm God? Because see, if I travel to Minnesota, and listen, we do this every time, every time. Before we travel on a long trip, we'll stop in a family and we'll pray for safety. I'm not saying it's wrong. But you know what? None of you are like amazed that God got us to Minnesota safely. Isn't God awesome? See, we don't, it just happens. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying don't pray that. I'm not saying that God doesn't answer that. But God, I wonder sometimes is saying, would you just pray something? That if I answer, I'm the only one that can get the glory. So we're going to talk about that. I almost did the whole sermon, didn't I? The next week, we're going to talk about being bold in our speech. About literally speaking boldly. Because all through the book of Acts, man, we see this over and over and over again. That they spoke the word of God boldly. There was no hesitation. There was no embarrassment. There was none of this being politically correct. They spoke Jesus' name boldly. And unapologetically. The last week, we're going to talk about bold obedience. And this, again, is an important one because we're going to look at the book of Acts and we're going to see people in a group of people that would rather have died and been persecuted for their obedience than to not obey their Heavenly Father. And I think we live in a culture. And listen, it's awesome to live in a free country. And it's awesome to live with freedom of religion. And I pray that we always have that. But it has not done the church any favors. Because it's made it so easy for us as Christians to be lazy Christians and to be wishy-washy and everything is gray. And listen, in countries where they're persecuted, sometimes you know that just accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and leaving the religion that you're in threatens your life. We're never faced with anything like that. We're faced with a little bit of ridicule maybe. And we're kind of afraid of what our friends might say. And if we're in school, we think we might stand out and they'll think we're weird. And I don't want to pray in front of my friends because they're going to think I'm whatever. Oh my goodness. Isn't that horrible? We're going to talk about bold obedience. To just simply obey. If God said to do it, do it. And let the pieces fall where they fall. So that's where we're headed. My hope and my prayer is that as we go through this series that we see each other. That we see ourselves grow to a place of boldness out of a belief that the God in heaven is behind us and is empowering us and is resourcing us in everything that he's asked us to do. Let's look at some amazing boldness as we get into this this series this morning. We're going to start with a guy by the name of Peter. And you guys know who Peter is. Peter's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Was a very outgoing guy. If you would think of bold, you would probably think of Peter. But one of the things that Peter 
struggled with is Peter was known for early in his life as having very bold intentions, right? Having very bold intentions and then having timid actions. And we know exactly what I'm talking about. Peter would say things. Like he told Jesus one time, he said, I'll never ever, I will never um, uh, betray you. I'm never going to do that. I mean, if all the other disciples and everybody else betrays you, I'll never do it. And I bet if, if you know Peter and kind of how it's written and know his characteristics, it wasn't just this calm little guy saying, Jesus, I'll never ever betray you. I think Peter was bold. He said, Jesus, I'll never, I would never do that. I promise. And we know exactly what Peter did. He denied Jesus three times. One of the most horrible things that a person could do. Bold intentions with very timid actions. And maybe a lot of us are that way, right? We have great intentions. We have bold intentions. And in our actions sometimes followed up very timidly. Well, Jesus died. And three days later rose from the dead. And Peter and Jesus had an encounter. And it's a beautiful story. This is a sermon in its own, and I hope just a little bit of this truth penetrates you if you're here. Peter had done the unthinkable. Had done something that in in many ways you would think was unforgivable. Has an encounter with Jesus three or four days later. And Jesus basically looks at Peter and says, Peter, it's okay. You're forgiven. It's in the past. I've forgiven you. Not only are you forgiven, you're still on the team. Not only are you still on the team, Peter, you're the cornerstone. I'm going to use you to build my church. And I can't imagine the emotions and the feelings and what was going through Peter. He had just done the unthinkable. He had just sinned. He had just done exactly what he said he would never do to the one that he loved the most. His intentions were great. And isn't that true of me and you sometimes? So many times our intentions are great. They're awesome. We never intended to screw it up. We never intended to do what we've done. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, not only are you forgiven, you're still on the team. Not only are you on the team, you're the leader. And I'm going to use you mightily and greatly to build my church. And it was like this switch went off in Peter and flipped. And it went from not only being bold with intentions and timid with actions, it went to simply being bold. And Peter on the day of Pentecost, preached this amazing sermon, this bold sermon. And the church was born and launched. 3,000 people in one day came to know the Lord. Imagine. Preached with boldness, with authority, with confidence, and God was glorified. And this church explodes. And all through Acts, by chapter 4, this is in the beginning of Acts, by chapter 4, it says there was 5,000 men that had been added to the church that didn't count the children and the women. So it was probably 15,000 people by this point. In just a matter, a short period of time, it exploded onto the scene, and most of it was due to Peter. Not just having bold intentions, but following through with bold actions. Well, we go to Acts chapter 4, and and, uh, we pick up a story where Peter and John, in chapter 3, healed a lame guy. This guy had been lame or had been in a cripple. In our culture, he would be in 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 a wheelchair. He had been this way for 40 years, basically all his life, had been crippled. Everybody knew who he was. 
It would be like if uh, we've had a person come into church for the last 10 years and we all knew who he was. He was in a wheelchair, unable to walk. There was no hope. Doctors had done everything they'd done. They had spent, you know, went everywhere and done everything. There was no hope. Peter and John come along and they heal this guy and they simply just say, get up and walk. And he's healed and he's walking and it kind of creates this huge buzz in the community and everybody's talking about it. And this religious group, Gets, gets uh, wind of it, uh, and the temple guards go to the um, Sanhedrin, which was a religious group that was kind of in ruling right then, and they, were, they, uh, they hated Jesus. They were the, one of the main ones that were behind having Jesus crucified. And here is Peter and John coming into the community, preaching in Jesus' name, not only preaching in Jesus' name, but healing people, and they pretty much flip out. And they have this little conference between themselves and say, what are we going to do? Here's these two guys, and they're healing people, and they're preaching in Jesus' name, and it's going to mess everything up. All these people are going to get saved. What are we going to do? And they go, they go arrest Peter and John, and they brought them on trial in front of the Sanhedrin. And here's what they would do as the Sanhedrin. And they would wear all these fancy clothes and these big robes and all this goofy stuff, and they would, they would, they would stand in a circle... Literally in a circle, and the people that were, were accused would stand right in the center. And it was a free-for-all question. Any one of these guys could just fire questions at him, right? So it was a very intimidating situation. They brought Peter and John into this. Now, we can almost not overemphasize, or almost, almost can't emphasize enough, the setting and what was going on here. The Sanhedrin hated everything that had to do with Jesus. They were good with God, right? They were good with being spiritual. But they hated everything about Jesus and his name and what he represented because it completely upset everything that they believed in their power and everything that was going on. So it was in this intimidating circumstance, in this, this intimidating environment that Peter and John are, and they're getting peppered with all of these questions. And then we pick it up in verse 8. Acts 4, verse 8. We'll go through verse 10. Right in the middle of this environment, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it wasn't just him. It was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. He said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we have done a good deed for a crippled man? In other words, is this ridiculous or what? And then he says, do you want to know how he was healed? They kind of asked them a question, and obviously they did. Now watch this boldness in this environment. He said, let me clearly state. In other words, let's make sure it's real clear. You guys listen closely. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Then he kind of just takes a knife and he sticks it in and twists it. And not only uses Jesus' names, he knows he hates them, but he also understands that's the power that he's got. He says, not only was it by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Was very, very bold. Wasn't just a simple statement in this environment. He was speaking to people 
that wanted him dead, had killed Jesus. It was an intimidating environment. Peter had amazing boldness. Amazing boldness. Here's what's interesting. I don't know if you guys think about this that much or not, but here's what's interesting is that not only 2,000 years ago was the name of Jesus threatening and looked down on. It's that way in our culture. You know, here's the thing, and maybe some of you are, are, uh, or uh, what's her name, Oprah? Fans? People can go on her show all day long, and they can talk about God, and they can talk about being spiritual, and they can talk about the spirit this, and all of this stuff. You know what you never hear? You never hear Jesus. You never hear the name of Jesus. If you're a pastor or religious leader and you're asked to pray at a public event, you know what they'll tell you 85% of the time? They say you can pray anything you want, you can say anything you want, except you cannot pray in the name of Jesus. Do you know that? In our country? Here's, here's why. Jesus was polarizing 2,000 years ago and he's still polarizing today. And Peter understood this. And yet he had the boldness to say, you know what? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. And so is Christians. Let's not back off of what this is all about. It's not just spiritual. It's not that we're just spiritual people. It's not that we're just religious people. Everything about us is built on Jesus Christ. Amazing boldness. There's something about the name of Jesus. There's something about saying that name. And listen, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're in a conversation with a person, and you're not sure where they are religious-wise, or if they're a Christian and all this stuff, isn't it much easier to talk about God than it is to say the name of Jesus? It is. It is for me. It's a lot more comfortable when I'm talking to a person and I don't know where they are or even, even each other. They say, man, God is good and God is, you know, all this stuff. And it's just kind of a more accepted. But when we say Jesus, there's something about that name. There's something about saying it. Amazing boldness. Peter points right at them and looks them right in the eye. And it says, the power that this man was healed is from Jesus Christ, the guy you killed and God raised from the dead. These religious leaders couldn't believe what they were seeing in verse 13. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scripture. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Very quickly, the first thing in your outline that I want you to remember is this, is that God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. It says the leaders could see that Peter and John were ordinary men with no special training in the Scripture. They were just like you and I. In other words, I've said this before, the actual translation of the word ordinary here is, you know what it is? The, the, The rock bottom... Translation is idiot. That's exactly what it is. So if you're an ordinary person, we're all ordinary person, we're all idiots. 
But that's the translation. It says, and basically what I'm saying is God gives ordinary, crazy, idiotic people, like you and I, extraordinary power like he did Peter and John. They were just regular people. They were idiots for Jesus, just like you and I should be. And they received this extraordinary boldness to speak about what they believed. I believe God specializes in using ordinary people. And if you're here today and you're not ordinary and you're extraordinary, God can still use you too. But he loves ordinary people. And he loves to take ordinary people and give them extraordinary boldness. And here's what it could look like for some of us. This is just real practical, and I hope, I hope this connects with you. But I'm not talking about we have to stand in, a group, in front of a group of people and make a speech or, or preach a sermon or make these amazing things. It could, be, it could be something very simple. You could be in an environment at work where gossip is a big deal. You know, one of the biggest things I think that happens in a work environment where there's a lot of people that work together, one of the biggest downfalls or biggest problems is gossip, Right? Everybody's talking. It's like a soap opera. You might act with boldness and just say, you know what, I'm just going to remove myself. I'm just not going to go there. If you guys want to talk, you don't even have to say anything. Just don't go there. And say, you know what, I don't know. I don't really care. It's none of my business. If it doesn't involve you, it's gossip. If it's really got nothing to do with you, it's gossip. Boldness might be as simple as saying, you know what, yeah, I heard you, but it doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm just going to stay back. That's acting with boldness. You know, for you guys that are young and in school, for you girls, boldness for you is might to be different than some of your friends. Is to dress different, to act different, to say different things. And you don't have to be loud about it and in their face about it, but you can just do it quietly. That's boldness. That's boldness. For those of us that are married, it might be to raise our family differently than everybody else. And when our kids say, you know what, they're doing it and they saw it and they're going and he does it and he has and she has, we'll just say, you know what, it's all great. But we're not like everybody else. The rules in our home are different than over there. And our standards aren't determined by their standards. And we're going to live with some boldness. And we're going to live with some courage. All these very simple things. For us guys, it might be a business deal. This one hits real close to home. It might be a business deal and you have an opportunity to sign a contract or do something and make a lot of money. But there's just a part of it, a little tiny part of it, that's not quite ethical. Would you live with boldness and say, you know what, I'd love to have that money, but I'm not going to compromise. Hey, you know what? April's coming up. Maybe we need to live with boldness and be completely honest on our tax reporting. It's hard right now to give to the government, isn't it? God asks us to. And there's ways we can do things and take things and do stuff. Let's act with boldness and live with integrity. God can take ordinary people and give them extraordinary boldness. Thought number two, if you're taking notes is that your boldness will amaze the world. Your boldness will amaze the world. When you you and I become spiritually bold for the glory of God, 
We will amaze the people around us. And let me tell you something. People are watching. People are watching. And you may think the things that you do in secret or the things that nobody sees, people know. Not, I'm just, I mean, I say that carefully. But if people find out, people have a sense the Bible says very clearly, be sure your sin will find you out. It's pretty simple. Verse 13 says, the members of the council, they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They were amazed because they understood that these guys were standing in front of them. Their very life was at stake. They had the power and the authority to kill these guys, and these guys did not care. They just spoke the truth with boldness. They were amazed. Here's a question for you guys. When was the last time someone was amazed by your boldness? When was the last time your friends were amazed by your boldness? On a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being not bold at all, 10 being very, very bold. Where would you rate yourself right now? You know what, I had something interesting, and this is not... This is not to toot my own horn, but this just illustrates the point. I had a friend in school, in grade school, that was uh, my best friend. Uh, We went to high school. He went on to high school, and I took a different path, and he got into the whole partying thing, got into the girl thing, and really our lives just went like this here. And we were back and forth, some through high school, but not a lot. And, uh, I mean, he was all into that stuff really bad. And I remember talking to him and and I would say stuff. I didn't do a lot, but every time I'd say stuff, he'd make fun of me and call me whatever and call me all this stuff. And he would try to embarrass me in front of girls. And all. It was just a, a weird deal. And for the last 20 years, I have not seen him, haven't spoke to him, didn't know what would happen to him or anything. And about three months ago, maybe I found him on Facebook, right? Facebook is awesome. And I asked to be his friend, and we talked back and forth a little bit. And and that's about it. And about three days ago, or Wednesday this week, he inboxed me a private message, and it was this long letter talking about some of the things that happened when we were teenagers. And he said, I just want you to know, da 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 and I am sorry for the way I acted, and God's working in my life, and you were the first person on my list that I wanted to call and make some things right. And listen, here's why. It wasn't because I was in his face and I was not friendly to him, but it was partially because I acted with a little bit of boldness. It was because I lived with some integrity that 20 years later, 20 years later, it still made a difference. People will be amazed when you live with some boldness. Some of you might say, well, I'm not sure where I am. Um... Number three, let's go here first. Number three in your outline is this. Number three is spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ. Spiritual boldness, bottom line, comes from knowing Christ. And here's where we're going to land it today. It comes from knowing Christ. If you follow this story that we're talking about, Peter and John, um, I don't think it's in your outline. Well, it is too. It's It's the last part of verse 13. It says they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. The reason Peter and John had boldness is because they spent time 
with the author of life. It's because they spent time with Jesus. And so here, if you rated yourself this morning and you were honest and and you said, you know what, I'm a two or I'm a one. Or even if you said you're a nine or a ten, the reason you're a nine or a ten is is because you spend time with Jesus. If you're a one or a two, the reason you're a one or a two is not because you're abnormal or you're different. It's because you're not spending time with Jesus. Boldness is born out of what you believe, and your belief belief system is built in time with Jesus Christ. Whatever that might look like for you. The reason that Peter could stand up and face possible death and declare exactly what he did is because he knew Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Boldness is never the goal. Knowing Jesus is is the goal. And that's really what I want you to remember this morning. Boldness is never the goal, but knowing Jesus is the goal. This little circle thing that's in your outline, I want you to fill it in like this on your chart. Number one, where it all starts is time. Time with Jesus. That means reading your Bible, meditating, in prayer, And it doesn't mean you have to sit down in this little hole and just have all this weird stuff you do. It means figure out what works for you. Figure out how you connect with your Creator, with your Savior, and do it on a regular basis. Spend time with Him. Get to know Him. It's just like a marriage. You're never going to have a great marriage if you don't spend time with each other. It takes time. Spend time with Jesus. Time will always lead to faith. Because when you spend time with Jesus, you get to know Him. And when you get to know Him, you'll have faith in Him. So time, faith, Faith will always lead to boldness because when you begin to have faith, you know exactly what you believe. And boldness always comes out of belief. And your faith will grow. And you will begin to understand that you have been called and sent and resourced by God himself. It will lead to boldness. And when you begin to act with boldness, you'll begin to get results. Time with Jesus leads to faith in Jesus, leads to bold actions, and you'll never get results without bold actions. Because here's where we get tripped up, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here because I could, because I think we're stuck here as Christians sometimes. We get stuck between this faith and boldness thing. Because we think sometimes faith is just we pray with faith and God answers. God, I have faith that you're going to make me, you're going to, Help me make more money and God's saying, boy, I'll help you, but you've got a part to play. You've got a bold part to play. And God, help my teenage daughter or my teenage son. God, would you please? And God's saying, I'll help you, but you're the father. And you're saying, God, would you please heal my marriage when you do this? And God's saying, I'll help you. But you've got a part to play. That's that bold action. We've got a part to play. God never performs a miracle without us helping him or coming alongside of him and doing our part. And that's the boldness part. Time with Jesus, faith in him as it grows because we spend time with him. We've got our part to play, which is boldness. Sometimes it's big, huge steps into the dark. And when we follow up faith with boldness, God always gives us results. And then results always just points us back to more time with Jesus because once it's working, why would we not spend time with him? And it becomes this incredibly beautiful cycle. 
Here's the deal. All of us can make a difference when we spend time with Jesus. All of us can make a difference and can live with boldness. All of us can raise our families to make a difference. All of us can raise children that grow up with integrity and honesty and a good head on their shoulders when we live with boldness. All of us can have great relationships. I'm not saying it's simple. I'm not saying bad things don't happen. But we all have within us the ability, if we spend time with Jesus, to live boldly in every area of our life and to have great relationships, to have great marriages, to have a great career, to live a Christian life with boldness that makes a difference to everyone around us. Amazing boldness. My prayer is this, that over the next couple weeks, that as we talk about this, it stirs within you a desire to not live a mediocre Christian life. Not to just be average, but to be above average. To live with boldness. A boldness that makes a difference not only in your life and your family's life, but in the life of all the people around you that you work with, that you're in contact with. Let's pray.